and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Buzz here, light years ahead of the competition on this Monday night, May 1st, 2023, talking all things Fiorini. And joining me as always is the Godorini fan squad who all no doubt brought in the great man this week, uh, Holmesy, Harmy, Stato, L- Louis, no, none of... No. None of you brought in the goat. Lads, what's going on? Who wants to kick it off? I need an apology from each of you to start off the show. Go on. Holmesy, do you want to apologise? Joss, I do actually want to apologise to you, but it's not for the reason that you are. You think. I had, a, I had a personal best on the weekend where I actually managed to make two of the Pod Pod members leave the group chat, Dossie, and you were going through a bit of a rough time on uh, on Sunday when Jack Bowes goes down on 10 and... It was your, your weekend ruiner, you were upset, you were depressed and I've come into the group chat and I've just asked you the one question, Doss, are you now going to upgrade Jack Bowes to Jaden Hunt? And uh, oh. <laughs> quick smart out of the group chat. So I might, might have overstepped the mark there, Dossie. I'm, I'm sorry, mate. Are you going all right? Holmesy, this is supposed to be a celebration of the GOAT, not bringing people down here. No wonder people are leaving the group chat. I, I believe you're talking about statesmen heading out for the first time of our little private group chat. Stato, you're a bit upset, mate, um, doing a terrible score that you had this week. What was it, in the 2400s again? Yeah, it was shocking. Um, but I, I will say I have an apology to make to um, Dos being the smart ass that I normally am and uh, also caring about my squad way too much. Um, when you were sort of making the point of poor Bose um, and he was uh, on a score of 14 at the moment, I quick had a, a couple of jibes thinking I was being a bit of a smart ass, but I didn't realise he'd done his calf, so I had to do a quick apology. <laughs> Sorry, mate, I didn't know about the calf. Um, but anyway, yeah, tough going. Look, I think we've all been hit with uh, injuries, laid outs, all that type of stuff. Um, it's uh, it's Bullet City this year, unfortunately, and some of... Uh, but at least you've got the new record. Um, so, uh, Holmes, you had a 14 round one. Um, you've had a 14, but that uh, reflected back down to 10. So the new record. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dada. No, I appreciate starting this. I started real hyped up for this episode and now you've brought me straight back down. That's the great Stato way. Thanks to the tag team of Holmesy and Stato always bringing the grump to the pod. But we are (laughs) going to bring the positivity back. And overall, it was an absolute monster scoring round. So um, without even looking at what you guys scored this week, I'll just go round table and we'll talk about our score and our rank and how we went this round. And I might even kick it off with you, Louis, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, mate. Uh, I scored 23.78 for the week, so it was a nice one, quite large, but um, in the scheme of things, probably it was only a little bit above par. I think everybody had a pretty decent week with some big scores out there this year, uh, this week rather, uh, which brought my rank into 59.39, so another three or 4,000 spots, which is good to see, trending in the right uh, trajectory. Part of that was thanks to Jason Johannesson, with his 86 uh, just off of last week. It was a little bit of a worry, uh, even though it was the best-performed dogs defender. You do want to see that translate to a score, so it was good to see that tick over on the weekend. Uh, And I think my sucks, and I think it'll go to a few people, uh, a few of the listeners listening, and that's Will Setterfield with the 54. On the Sunday, you're sort of looking at a nice big score. You're wanting it to come home, and then Will Setterfield drops a 54 on your head. It's pretty flattening. 
Well, we've heard Louis Lux or Sucks, which we were going to do after this, but we'll go around and just do the round score and rank for the other lads, and then we'll get into our Lux or Sucks. Holmesy, do you want to take it away, mate? Yeah, thanks, Doss. Uh, 23.02 for myself, so not too bad. A um, few underperformers, which we'll get to, which could have had my score a little bit bigger, but not to be. Probably just around par, though. Still went up another 1,000 spots to 12.675, so in that famous 12K club, and Potentially looking to do a few, looking at a few dumb trade ideas this week to get me back into the game. So, all in all, not too bad. My rule was to stay positive if I improved, and and I did. So, uh, we go again. That's what I love to hear. A bit of loose trades. Do love that from you, Holmesy and Harmy, mate. Welcome to the show. Haven't said hello to you yet. Your round score and rank as well. And and if you don't mind, just an apology as well for fair any. Thanks, Dosby. Um, my score this week was two, three, five, eight. So yeah, not too bad, and that takes my rank into six zero zero nine. So yeah, look, it wasn't too bad. There's a few things um, I was hoping to get a touch higher um, up to the statesman's lofty heights, but I didn't quite get there in the end. Uh, my lux for the week, I'm going to go with Lukey Pedler because I watched uh, Adelaide play uh, and he looked really good. He did some great stuff, kicked a kicked, um, nice long-range goal and I was pretty impressed with him because I kind of looped in that forward line. So I um, I had Filippo um, for 31 and instead chucked Pedler on and he came through with an extra 40-odd points there for me. But my sucks, Dosby. He's going to go to LDU, possibly for the last time for me this year because I traded him out, but the LDU out meant I couldn't get the Godorini in, which was my plan for most of the week. I love that, mate, and we're just throwing show structure out the window. Less editing for me. I won't need to pop these uh, intros in. That's all good, Harmy. Just just do your own thing, mate. Go rogue. Um, but I do love that, yes, and unfortunate you couldn't bring in the go to Rainy. You didn't really apologise, though, so we'll have to rectify that later in the show. Uh, Stato, do you want to give us your score and rank? Of course, we did, did mention you had a really poor week. You were sobbing in the chat, so it must have been a shocking week for you, mate. Yeah, I didn't sob in the chat. Uh, I did do a Hail Mary for Ridley when he was 18 and a half time. But other than that, uh, um, I just enjoyed the weekend. And rightfully so, like everyone else, had that really good start on Friday night. Uh, I think, Doss, you were the only one that didn't jump jump on, which means you can have a great weekend when you've got a good VC. But scored uh, 24-32. Uh, and rank uh, 537, so move back inside the, the top 1,000 after dropping outside holding uh, Will Day in green. Beautiful, and my score, as you guys mentioned off the top, thanks for bringing it up, Bose. Scoring the 14, minus four adjusted, down to 10. Uh, thank you very much, Jackie Bose. Uh, my unique backline pick, 22-32, unfortunately, for Dosby Lestier, dropping from 18-130, you know, a modest rank of 18-130, down to 19-939. Inside the top 20K, though, and, and when... um. Jaden Papowski does his up updated little tweet that he does of, of people that are still going to, within hat range, I'm sure he'll have to adjust those next year when he does that and says that I've come from the whopping inside the twenty top 20K uh, from round seven to come back to win the hat and potentially even that luck. So, um, 
Look, you guys have all done it already. My Lux, obviously, is Fiorini. I might also go Chera, who I brought in this week, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about. 137 on Dabu and 112. You couldn't ask for more than that in, in your two trade-ins for the week. Unfortunately, I'm going my sucks to just the fact that I couldn't I couldn't make the trade without dumping Chandler, who I knew had the great matchup, dropped a ton on my head. So that was always um, probably going to happen. I didn't think it would be that drastic, but that was pretty upsetting. Um, we're all out of shape though, but uh, uh, Holmesy, do you want to go through your Lux and Sucks and then state your Lux and Sucks just to round this out? Yeah, Dossie, uh, my Lux, and it's always good to have a unique-ish mid-premium go big for me, and, and that was Christian Petrarca. So a 142 on Saturday night was definitely well needed when I had... Um, McRae, Bont, and Crouch as my sucks, um, who were pretty underwhelming. So Brad Crouch, 77. Uh, that's now two out of four weeks where he's had a less than 25-point half, and that's just not on from a, a player that I, I paid up an M1 for. So I'm not sure what's gone on there. At, at times, he looks like he could put up a 200, and at times, he just goes completely missing. So a little bit of a worry, especially now that Jack Steele's back dominating Stato. How'd you go? Yeah, so Lux, I'm going to double down. Uh, Darcy McPherson uh, coming out of 119. So a really good, unique pick at the moment. So that's four weeks I've had him and it's been quite impressive. Uh, although he didn't get the opportunity to, to junk up. So I only added an extra two points in the last 10 minutes of play. So uh, I was looking, thinking I might get a 130 there at one stage, but still performed extremely well. Great role. Uh, sucks. Um, Bomber Twins, so first game on Sunday after a really good Friday and Saturday, um, and I had Ridley at half-time with 18, uh, playing a lockdown role uh, on Cameron, and Setterfield on a 33. Thought Setters um, is really good having a big quarter, but that just didn't eventuate. Ended up on 54 Setterfield, or as Steve Fizzers named him, Sellerfield. All right, let's get into, uh, we're about to get into our hot topics, but before we do that, just want to give a quick update around our leagues, and I'll just do a quick update on the Content Creator Cup, because Stato has retaken the lead in that. He's 7-0, and and now he's, uh, he's you know, well and truly on top of that league at the moment for our round eight ladder, uh, just ahead of Guesty, who Tim obviously running it for his Infinite Wealth sponsoring that and um, putting up some great money for charity. Unfortunately, this week, uh, Dossie went down to to Luke Rogerson of the uh, Ball Boys podcast. And I might just say, um, look, I'm, I'm going to have to hand over the reins to, uh, to Roger over there because he's got the platinum tonsils. If I'm gold, that guy is platinum. Those are some serious pipes going on there. But Stato, do you want to maybe take us through some of the, uh, the Pod Pod Challenge? Yeah, most certainly. So uh, our leader is 24th overall. That's Boston Pelly. Uh, so he's been the leader for the last three or four weeks. Sean's All-Stars is in second spot. He is 43 overall. Currently, we have 13 coaches in the top 100, all in uh, hat category. Uh, and Doss, I thought, because the actual name of uh, this group is Pod Pod Challenge in brackets, we can all beat Doss. I thought I'd update you. You're currently sitting at 478th position uh, in yep, the Pod okay. Pod Challenge. We can all beat Doss. And with 623 coaches, there's only 145 that we need to lift so we can all beat Doss. 
Well, it doesn't seem like they're all going to at the moment, mate. So you're you're failing with the name of that. And you can, of course, join that just by searching in your league. It's an open league. So jump on in, Pod Pod Challenge, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season, everyone. Uh, in our listener league, which we started at the start of the season, um, where people are representing us. Dossie with the three of five Ws this week. I think so did Holmesy. Uh, thank you for Maddie for posting those on Twitter. You can check them out at Pod Pod AFL to see how our listener league results are going. But it's time for Hot Topics. And I think the biggest one this week is, of course, we mentioned at the top of the show, the GOAT. Now, I just do want to go, obviously, I'm completely biased for the great man, so let's get some of your opinions on him, and I might just throw straight away to Louis. I want to get your opinion on Braden Fiorini, mate. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those players that I'm not sure what to think about. Dossie, obviously, we know he's got an ability to score when he's got the role, uh, all of a sudden, Tuke Miller goes down and uh, at the start of the week, some very good coaches like yourself identified that he might yeah. be one to go into that midfield mix uh, and you were wrong. Uh, he only had the three centre bounces, <laughs> yeah. so it's a little bit of a concern there. Um, on surface level, I say I think it is a good pick. He's, he's seriously cheap. He's shown an ability to score. He's got a ceiling. Um, he's in a team where supposedly there's a role for him and um, enough weeks where he can make a difference in our side. Um, but there's always that underlying sort of thought process that, you know, this is Braden Fiorini and it could all blow up in your face at any time. And it's probably not uh, dissimilar to a bloke we'll talk about later in the podcast in an Aaron Hall as well. But I'd be keen to hear Holmes's thoughts on him. Yeah, this is such an interesting one, Louis. And- Clearly, what I want to figure out from from you boys and and sort of talk about a little bit more is is this gold ki- Gold Coast shifting game plan real? So, the last two weeks, the Gold Coast Suns have scored over seventeen hundred total fantasy points for their for their team, and and prior to that, they haven't actually scored over fifteen hundred. So that's two weeks in a row where they've put on some serious fantasy points, and they're uncontested. Uh, possession rate is up. Their marks are through the roof. They had 250 on the weekend. So is this a changing game style where they're, they're just admitting that they have to hold on to the ball a little bit more because they, they really need to be more competitive in, in games? Or is it just a case of they've had two pretty good matchups where the teams allowed them to dictate play in terms of a North Melbourne and a Richmond? And are they going to revert back to the way they were playing before? Because we did see them last year. Their fantasy scores really dropped off. If that's a true indication of how they want to play, then some of these scores from the weekend in the last two weeks are inflated. So I'm, I'm, I'm keen to hear Stato's thoughts because I know we had a bit of a chat off air and, and he's got a bit of a thought process behind it. Yeah, well, there's no doubt they are playing the, um, the chip kick, um, mark and kick game, um, especially out of defence. So that's why you're seeing uh, a few of their players, including one that I own, McPherson, scoring so well at the moment. Um, the reason I brought McPherson in, which I brought him in round four because of the matchup with St Kilda, then he had Frio, then he had North Melbourne. So I thought they were really three really good matchups. Um, and with all the injuries, I think Richmond is sort of in that mix at the moment. They're actually a good team to play against. So they've had four really good matchups on the trot and two teams in the last two weeks that are sort of falling off a little bit. So I, I think just for the fact, I think the game style's there, but just for the fact they've had really good opposition, that these scores are ballooned somewhat. So, um, and I'll just focus that back on um, 
pastor, uh, as some people are starting to call him. Um, what worried me is the amount of time he spent on the wing, and we all know how concerning that wing role can be. Um, there is benefit if they're playing the chip kick, um, so there is some uh, reward the other end, but I think he's the type of player that I would prefer to be in bulk CBAs. And one thing I'll throw back to you, Doss, is there someone currently out of the team that could be popping in and getting some CBAs? Uh, yeah, I flagged this on um, the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I've, I had a look at the VFL um, numbers from the weekend and surprisingly coming back, I think a little bit earlier than uh, expected is your boy, Stato, and the draft doctors who have championed this man all preseason and ended up having about 15 articles written about him, it seemed, um, across <laughs> the hype that you guys built. But um, Sam Flanders returned to the VFL this weekend, and he wasn't the only big performer, I will say, in the Suns VFL. So Flanders had 30 disposals, 11 marks, three tackles. I think it equated to around 120 fantasy points as well, if you want to know that. But Flanders was big in the VFL against Richmond as well. Um, Connor Blakely had 35, 9 and 10, if you don't mind as well, if he's ever going to be a chance to get in. Um, Constable, again, just does what he does in the VFL as well, 32 and 11 marks. So there's guys banging down the door and potential inside midfielders banging down the door. They had a big win over Richmond, so you'd hope that they you know stick with what they're doing. But I totally see a guy like Bailey Humphrey, who was at the opening centre bounce, mind you, ahead of Fiorini, just coming out. And one of these guys could come straight back in, Holmesy. Yeah, and I suppose just to put it into a little bit of context, so Rory Atkins had 25 touches on the weekend, but only one contested possession. So that just shows the type of game style that they played on the weekend. And, man, I'm not sure whether it's sustainable for them to play like that each week. And then Agreed. they're not going to have the opponent that's going to let them play like that each week as well. So those numbers are inflated, but at the same time, if you don't jump on a Fiorini this week and he backs it up with another monster score, then is it going to be too late for all of us to jump on board? So I think it's going to be a little bit of a you know, sliding doors moment for coaches, Dossie. One thing I'm just not sure about as well, um, I don't think the time on ground's necessarily reflective of what he'll get, even though I know Dew isn't a fan of playing in big time on ground. He had 71%, but I watched that game and the ball was stuck on the ground for one of the quarters and he st he just sat on there till about the 12-minute mark. So I don't know if he'll necessarily be limited that much, especially playing on that wing role. Let's just round it out because Harmy, uh, we do love talking about Fiorini a lot. Um, but what's your thoughts, mate? And then we'll throw to Louis to, to finish it off because he's waving his arms madly about. Well, look, we spoke about who was going to get the bump in the CBAs last week, didn't we? And that ended up being David Swallow. So... Uh, I'm a little bit unsure about what to make of it all. Watched parts of that game, but I just I think with Braden Fiorini, we have seen in the past that the guy just scores. If he if he gets some decent time on ground and has okay job security, then I think it's not a bad play to bring him into your side. Unlike Rory Atkins, who I don't think has played back to back games for the Suns in his whole time there. So anyway, over to you, Lou. That's just my thoughts. I do think he's probably a good pick, um, Dossie, and I say that because he's achievable from going from a rookie up, which is what I would be in favour of. I would be less inclined to bring him in if people were looking at a downgrading um, and underperforming premium and then using that cash elsewhere. So, 
Yeah, just looking at the um, the CBAs for Fiorini, obviously this week had the three without Took. I uh, had eight last week with part of Took, and then the week before that with Took in the side had 16 CBAs. So he's he's trending in the other direction, which is a little bit interesting. It's it's one to watch, and I think at his price point, um, Fiorini is one that you can get one more week to look at because if he is the real deal, then he's still going to be worth jumping on at his price tag, just under 600k, um, as a sort of a mid pricer that we can ride on the way up, but. If you are bullish and you do decide to pick him this week, I think the most important part of that trade is actually planning what your parachute plan would be when it goes, or when or if it goes wrong, and how you're going to be able to recover from that. Lads, I just can't believe. I, I just—is this a dream? Talking about Fairani for eight minutes of the podcast, <laughs> it, it is a dream come true. It's uh it's been a long time coming, and God, it's good to hear his voice, his uh, his name just ringing across the fantasy community. We all week. said it's no, music to my ears. What's that, Stato? So we all said no. <laughs> and Harmy, just to, for a bit of context before we move on, I wasn't suggesting to bring Rory Atkins in, mate. I was just highlighting the game plan from the weekend. Way you made that sound. Rory Atkins, three. He's only about three hundred and eighty thousand. Well, look at his price today. So, but look, yeah. If he right. if he backs it up against Melbourne, I might be interested. Yeah. I might go a ridge down to him just for the cash grab against West Coast. May as well play him. He's got about three years left on his contract. Well, big contract too. All right, this is our second, and it's we've only got a couple of big, big hot topics uh, this week, but a massive hot topic on a lot of a lot of owners for this guy. Will Setterfield is uh, is a big talking point, only getting the fifty four points, I think it was on the weekend. So pretty low scoring, even with a high, you know, pretty solid role. We've mentioned that um, he's moving into a kind of a more of a tagging role, or at least a run with role that's maybe not as conducive to fantasy scoring. But with that in mind, I think it's time for a bit of a segment steal. It's Trade or Spade. Will it be a trade? Will it be a trade or spade? G'day everyone, Nathan here from Hatchat, and I approve of this message. Into Trade or Spade approved of course, by Nathan. We'll start with Will Setterfield as our number one player that we're going to be talking about. As the Essendon fan, Harmy, what do you think about Will Setterfield as a trade or a spade? What are you doing? Well, I'm a spade, um, and I and I say that. Look, I, I don't I haven't loved what I have seen the last couple of weeks from him. Um, he still had quite a few CBAs on the weekend, but he is playing that defensive mid role, which is different to what he was doing at the start of the season when he was pumping out some really good scores for us. He's got quite a good score build, so I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't necessarily need to be that go-to tap um, guy or anything like that, but um, if he's really trying to stop his player rather than chasing the ball, I think it's going to be a bit of a battle. It's the sort of player, though, Dossie, that I try and hold until the buy and then fix up um, where I can, but if he continues to put up 54 each week, that's going to be more and more difficult for me to do. But this time of year, I'm trying to upgrade, like do my downgrade upgrades, which I didn't do last week because of the LDU out, so I'm inclined to hold his sort of a position at the moment. Holmesy. Army, as the as the Essendon man, give us a little bit of a your insights into the midfield rotation because I know Stato and, and Louis were, were pretty big on 
Setterfield being that sort of big-bodied midfielder that Essendon were lacking. But do you think the fact that they've got Stringer running through there at 80% now and offering something different, at least in at the moment while he's on the park, do you think that's had a bit of a negative effect on Setterfield? I think it has, but I don't think it'll last. Uh, the Stringer thing... I just feel like they've got their big-bodied midfielder, and that's Will Setterfield, and it's not Stringer because he he's going to be needed at the forward line and he's perennially injured. Um, so I think all things going well, I think that um, Setterfield will be in there ahead of Stringer, personally. That's my personal feel on it. But, but that said, I mean, Zach Merritt had less CBAs on the weekend. I think that after that first quarter when we were 40-odd points down, they just kind of threw, threw a few things around. Um, that's what it seemed to me. Uh, yeah. All right, so it sounds like you're spading, you're digging in, and you're going to be holding. Let's just get a second opinion. It is a big hot topic of the week. Stato, are you trading or spading Will Setterfield. I'm trading. Now, now I will say, because I've seen the change of role over the last two weeks, but I will say it's just the position I'm in. So I've got three mid-prices that I need to trade out, Ridley, Pickett and Setterfield now. I was hoping Setterfield would last, but he's just going to lose cash now, so I want to change that up. Uh, and the reason why I'm in that space, I'm in the luxury Trade space now. I've only had the three rookies on the field last week, Chandler, Sheasel and Ashcroft, and they all tunned up. So they're all earning their position on the field and Chandler's got a, another two weeks of good matchup. So I take as much cash and points out of those as I can. So um, I'm doing a, a Jimby down a Chincotta who I missed. Um, and if he's selected, he'll be sitting on the bench and ready to take some action against Ridley if I uh, need to, if his score's high enough. Uh, and therefore, I'm going Setterfield up. So uh, it's probably Petrarca or Oliver. I'm just debating which is the right one. So he's a trade for me, but it's only because my position is different. Can I just, um, I'll just input here, and it's very easy for me to say as a non-owner, so I will just um, caveat that. But... If we're looking at the CBA rotations from that Essendon game, so quarter one, uh, Setterfield was actually the fourth most with only three CBAs, and that's when they got absolutely pumped, and then he was the main guy for quarter two, three, and four. So um, I think moving forward, that'd be pretty silly to, to start that way again. So I think the role's going to be a bit better. All right, loving this segment that we've stolen from Hat Chat. Of course, go listen to their podcast. We love their stuff. Um, but let's get on to their next player, trade or spade. You're obviously trading or you're spading and you're digging in. It's Andrew McGrath, 14% owned still, 66 on the weekend. Lou, trade or spade? Yeah, he's got to be a trade now. Uh, been a failed experiment seven weeks in now. Um Hasn't really popped a decent score in that time either. And I think he's at a price where he's sort of in no man's land where you can't really go down, but there's a there's an upgrade sort of hanging over your head with him. So if you're able to dodge bullets and you don't have any carnage, I think it's time to start moving Andy McGrath on and at his price tag, you can uh, get up to something decent. Holmesy, Ruben Jinby, the 18-year-old, absolutely killing it for West Coast to start the season. He's already made 198k. Finally, dropped a little bit of cash, uh, went down $8,000 last week. Still scored a 50, which is serviceable. I know you've been talking about how we need these solid rookies through the buys, though. So maybe this is a pretty challenging trade or spade at 482k. Yeah, Doss. 
I'm still going to say Spade um, purely for that reason. Um, we're going to need some rookies playing at the buyers. Um, if we get rid of all of these rookies with good job security now, then we might find ourselves being short at the buyers and only being able to play 18 or, or maybe even less, which would be an absolute disaster. So for that reason, I'm still going to say Spade, but at the same time, um, I'm not going to begrudge anyone if they can um, get him up to a, a genuine keeper, Harmy. Yeah, and this is why I was a little bit disappointed um, that with that LDU out because I then I missed Chincotta and I couldn't get Fioroni. Anyway, but the, the issue that I've got is exactly what you said there, Holmesy. Who is going to be playing for us as we come through the buys? And red dots are starting to build up, aren't they? So I thought my bench was looking excellent until last week when three of them were named emergency. So... Dishing off all of the um, the jobs, like the rookies with good job security, like Jimby, um, I think is a bit of a risk if you're bringing in people like Seamus Mitchell, um, who are potentially going to get dropped this week. So I think it is an issue for us. So with that said, uh, Louis, Ollie Hollands, uh, with a pretty low break even still, putting together some half-decent games as well, would you be, would you be spading him as well? Look, it's up to the team. I, I sort of am on Harmy's side where I think we do have to be a little bit cautious of some of these rookies that we're offloading just because of what's replacing them. Um, but I, I'm okay with somebody moving on Hollands as long as they've got the cover for it. Who are you going to go to, though? Like, who are you bringing in? If it's not Chincotta, who are you bringing in? Like, I think Sheldrick would have been good, but the guy popped a 15 and got subbed out. So, I mean, there isn't that many options, is there? No, there's not. We've got a bit on that uh, with the round table as well a little bit later in the show, so we'll go a bit more in depth in that, I think. All right, let's smash through some of these uh, kind of more of the mid-priced options that we're going to be talking about now, maybe some also some premiums sort of not hitting their straps. But Cozzy Pickett looking like a great option early days, obviously coming off his suspension in round one, though, where he popped a 127, was looking like he had plenty of midfield time um, in that good system, that distributing system, high point scoring system of Melbourne, 21 years old, contract year, which uh, has just been signed, which is a, a bad sign for us potentially, Stato, but he scored 85 for us in a soft matchup last week. Is Keziah Pickett a trade or a spade? Uh, he's a spade because he's got two good matchups to come. Um, but when you get to that point of luxury, he's certainly one you should be targeting to get ready to offload. So that sort of uh, good mix of CBAs and forward time has sort of disappeared until this week. And Holmes, you described that really well, is at the end of the day, once they were in control of the game, they could give other people the rotation through there. So it was only when they had control of the game. So if you've got a really hot game, he's probably not going to get the CBAs. Holmesy, uh, this has been a, a, a bit of a favourite pod in the early goings, but Liam Baker, although he scored 55 in round one, went on a, a tear after that, 100, 110, 79, 122, was looking like a pretty good option. But Jaden Short has come back in the side and back into his old role on the half-back line and, and really hurting the scores of both him and Rioli. So is it a trade or a spade for Liam Baker at 714k? Yeah, this one's a trade, Dossie, I think. Uh you, you summed it up beautifully. Jaden Short coming back in. Um, he's getting all of that footy off the half-back line. And and what we've known about uh, Liam Baker this whole time is that he's pretty much the Mr. Fix-It uh, for Richmond. He gets thrown around in all sorts of different positions. And 
that's two back-to-back sub or 60 and, and sub-60 games in a row. So he's no longer an underpriced premium that some people were hoping he would be. He's now a mid-pricer that's essentially maxed out in price. So if if your team's in a good spot and you're not playing any of these rookies that are going to drop you a 20, then um, I'd absolutely be getting him up to a keeper and just thanking him for the cash that's been made. Harmy Mitch Duncan, uh, gee, he's been a, been a harsh own for guys that jumped on him after a few injuries hit our back lines and then he was kind of that option coming off 127 on return. Since then, he's gone 55, 44, 66. Trade or spade, Harmy? Trade. I mean, he's not putting up good scores for you, so cross there, and he is dropping bulk cash too. I mean, put another 50 on the weekend, didn't he? So I think you'd have to jump off um, on that one if you brought him in. Jack McRae hasn't been terrible, but has by no means been the pick that we'd have wanted, especially Harmy, uh, Holmesy and I, I believe, are owners, uh, 826K. He's holding a bit of value still, but only averaging the 94, stuck out on a wing and a half forward or wherever Bevo puts him, Stato, Jack McRae, trade or spade? He's actually a spade um, this time of year, although he's been disappointing and I started with him too, but uh, dropped him early. But the reality is um, he can give you a ton each and every week. So you probably go in um, hoping that he's giving you a ton. That's probably what you need. You've He's lost his value already, the cash off him, um, and he's priced at what he's scoring effectively. So he's a holding to the buys, round 15, and uh, somewhere along those buys you can take him to an Uber. Brad Crouch, a favourite of uh, one of our hosts here, Louis. So we might as well get it to him. We did have a listener request this. This isn't us just rubbing some salt in the wound for Holmesy, who is a proud owner of Brad Crouch, or not so proud the last few weeks. But he's only gone in the 70s for two weeks in a row after going on a on a big tear. Seems to be the when Jack Steele returned as well, Louis. Is there a bit of concern if you're a Brad Crouch owner? No, I don't think there is. I think he's still a hold and you wait for it to turn around. Brad Crouch is... Scored over 100 for a long time. All right. Well, that wraps up our trade or spade segment with a Brad Crouch spade to finish. Now, it's time to get on to our observations roundtable. One of my favorite parts of the show where we just chuck around a few of our ideas and just have a chat that we normally would kind of like off air and just talk about some of the issues that we're thinking about or dealing with for the week. Uh, Stato, do you want to go through your uh, roundtable discussion? Yeah, it certainly seems we're having a bit of a dry spell for the cash cows, so the rookies that uh, have good um, uh, job security. And with these buys coming, so I'm just posing the question. I'd love to hear the quality heads we've got on here, um, this question. Is this a unique year where we'll be trying to make cash um, via our ground? So... Uh, potentially when we get to that luxury spot that we're, we're downgrading to meet a to, to meet a break even to make some cash and upgrading uh, another player on the field. I think with the lack of rookies, it's being more difficult. And I think that the lack of cash generation is going to come back to hurt some teams after the buys. So I guess I've been trying to do it, but it's sort of – it only t- – takes one bad score when you're jumping on somebody for a price rise to stall, stall that um, that price increase and the value increase. So it's going to work for some people, but there's going to be as many uh, fall over 
as there are successes, I feel, in this. So, yes, but we have to be quite selective. comes back to the point that I sort of said before about the rookies um, because I feel like there isn't a lot coming through. Yeah, they're good points that you make, boys. And just backing over it again, I mean, we've got fattened cows like Hollands, Jinby, Peddler, Chandler, they throw in Wilmot, blokes like that who have really rock-solid job security. And you look at their price and you do think, well, geez, I can take these guys down and up and, and get a genuine upgrade on the other end. But the problem is that if you're taking them down to these rookies, who are you bringing in? We have Chincotta who... He looks like a scorer, but the job security still got massive question marks over it. After that, you've got Ryan Angwin. Who knows? You know, does he have three, four, five weeks in that side? And then it starts to drop off to blokes who either can't score but have a position in the team, or you're taking punts on people who are coming in debuting, and then you might be compounding the same issue where you're going to have another red dot. And when we've got the buyers four weeks away, uh, just blokes like Hollands, Jinby, Peddler. Etc. knowing that they're going to play each and every week can be valuable and might be the difference between you copping a red dot and not um, through rounds 12-15. Yeah, and um, a lot of the guys that did score okay on the weekend as rookies were, were either the sub coming in or the sub going out as well. So it is a bit of a worry, I think. All right, uh, my roundtable discussion is to do with the buy rounds, which we've had a few questions come through as well about this. And I mainly ask you guys, because I, you know, always approach them pretty much the same, and that's that I barely think about them all the way through the season in the early days and uh, often get myself into emergency situations coming towards the buyers now that we are. So, obviously, if you don't know, they're starting in round 12, as you just uh, mentioned before, Louis, going through to round 15 this year. Um, so I think is that that's an extra round than we've had previously due to the extra um, round yep. and all, all the um, the gather round that we had in, in Adelaide. So talk us through maybe some of your thoughts. I just want to have that little discussion. So has anyone got any any thoughts on how to handle handle the buys and should we be thinking about them already or should I have already been thinking about them the whole time? I think you should have been having some thought to it by now, but it's not too late. That is the good news, Dosby. So you've still Great got to time hear. to uh, adjust for it. And i actually be interested to hear um, Stato's opinion on this because I always felt that this year was actually going to be a bit easier because of that um, round 13, the extra buy round and the extra three trades that come with it. Yeah, um, there's an element that makes it a bit easier because all of a sudden you've got effectively the the spread over the four weeks and the extra trade, trades going in all the way, but you still need to plan. So you need to have the exit, the exit strategy of having um, pretty much a completed team full of primos on the way out. So there are people that uh, look at the numbers each week but don't look at the plan to say who's coming in and actually come out uh, with one too many forwards and that type of stuff through the um, and shorter midfielder uh, through the end of the buys. So um, the reality is we've got more chance to cover a red dot, um, but the multiple red dots is where you're going to come into trouble. So I wanted to ask you this question because you've been the sort of the pioneer for that 8, 10, 12 uh, buy structure where you have your front load. So uh, in terms of you have more players on the buy for that round 15 and, and you have less for the, the earlier rounds. Do you think it's a play to kind of adopt something similar 
but you think about round 12 and round 13 as one buy. So you try to have your eight spread across those two. You have your 10 from round 14 and 12 from round 15. Do you think that's a go? Yeah, close to. So I've got seven and two at the moment, but I'm keen to, and this is why I want to watch Gold Coast one more week, so I'll get it right. Um, But I probably want one more Gold Coast player, maybe two. Um, So having four players in round 13, I think is just about perfect. So you still have a really good squad on field, but it's like a freebie. Um, round 13 players and I'm trying and and like always what I want to do is ensure I don't have any rookies that are the first round buy so you remove those rookies um, and then you can uh, effectively the ones you're keeping through round 12 are actually all premiums to start with if that makes sense Love that. That's some great advice. And yeah, thanks, boys, for doing that. I'll, I'll have to get on my um, my buy round planning uh, ASAP. Been maybe doing starting it since round one, Dossie. Pre-season <laughs> prep. I was just looking at my team this week. I'm like, I like you. I tried to do it last year, but this year I kind of forgot. And I, I just looked at my team <laughs> this week, and I'm like, oh, that's not looking too good for the buyers. Uh, but let's get into our CBA trends. Brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. Um, and as always, this episode is brought to you by the Keeper League. So it's not just for your Keeper Leagues, though. Their website has a ton of resources to help you with your fantasy classic team as well. Like the CBAs we're about to talk about, they also have kick in trends, draft D fantasy analysis, scoring trends against teams, and some projections. There's plenty more. Make sure you're using the code POD POD. At sign up for 20% off, the link will be in your podcast description. And this segment is called I Diddle Diddle. Straight through the I Diddle Diddle. I Diddle Diddle, who's spending time in the middle? And I'm going to go through a few notable names from the round. So, didn't really do the full deep dive this week, but I just noticed a couple that were spending that guts time. And it was kind of strange to see the guy that, that came in injured, this week, we, we thought he was going to be injured for months and months, uh, or at least four to six weeks. It was Doherty coming straight in, guys. And was there any interest? I mean, Harmy, are we going to monitor this situation? They had a soft matchup, Carlton, in West Coast. But Doherty came straight off his injury to attend 10 centre bounces in some limited time on ground and scored the 94 points. We saw him go big at the end of last year in a similar role. Have you got your eye on Sam Doherty in a bit more midfield time? Uh, not at this point in time, uh, Dosby. I mean, it's not like he pumped out a 140, is it? So I guess we'll just keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, Louis already mentioned one. Fiorini losing CBAs was a trend that was noticed. Something else I noticed was Toby Green. I think you guys had a little bit of a laugh at me last week for bringing up Toby Green. Obviously, uh was a bit of a shambles with the concussion, as I mentioned, but uh, not realising Tom Green was out of the lineup and mentioning the bump in CBAs for Toby Green. But this week he retained some, so still seeing some Cinebounce usage. Is your man an option for us, Stato? Spending all the time on ground in the world, 96%. He's getting some Cinebounce usage, seven in this game, and he's scoring like a premium top six kind of forward at the moment, 96 on the weekend, Stato. Um. Watch Toby Green play, enjoy it, but never bring him into your classic team. All right. Well, I've got one final, and it's a new segment. After the week's, after the week's proceedings, I had to 
bring in a new segment called Light Years Ahead. To infinity and beyond! And this rounds out the Center Bounce mix. Unfortunately, Holmes, he did spoil the party a little bit earlier by mentioning his name. But look, if you want to remain light years ahead of the competition, like your boy Dossie over here, a.k.a. Buzz Dossier, light years ahead, you've got to be thinking about Jake Stringer this week. Now, obviously, Godorini should already be in your team. If, <laughs> if you've got Buzz status like me, you would have brought him in last year, last week, maybe even two weeks ago if you're a true Buzz But Jake Stringer came on my radar this week with the 82% center bounce attendances for the week. Holmes, he doesn't have any interest. I don't think any of the lads do, but that's why they don't have buzz buzz status between you and me, guys. I want to head back to the 2021 season when he was spending 80 plus percent center bounce attendances for about eight or 10 weeks. And this is to end the season from round 14 back then to about round 23. I think it was even in the final as well. This is his run. 136, 97, 112, 99, 84, 63, 91, 65, 98, 97, 76. He's a premium scorer as a midfielder, as a forward, and he's priced around that similar mark to Fiorini. I'm not even going to throw it around the room because I know the guy's just going to bring me down. But if you're a buzz like me, light years ahead. That's the segment, Jake Stringer, this week. Let's get into some of our listener requests. Jack Steele's first off the ranks. What do we think about him as an option, Louis? Jack Steele. He's got a really awkward buy, but he has an awesome next four weeks. So if it suits your side, then I think he's value and uh, he's probably bottomed out now. Callum Mills, Holmesy. Interest here, moved back into the midfield, speaking about centre bounce yeah. movers, but hasn't still hit that ceiling score and, and showing premium scoring numbers that we know and love from him. Uh, here's someone I would absolutely love to target. Uh, you are right, Doss. There was a spike in CBAs on the weekend, but still only up to 47%. So still not back in that midfield full time. And I think, and I, I'm right, right there with this one. Sydney have now lost, what, four games in a row? Their season is on the line. Um, they can't afford to go two and five, and they got the pies this week. So uh, does does it not scream Mills back in the midfield full-time to go head-to-head with Dugowie and, and run with him a little bit? It just like, I just can't see them continuing to waste him while they just keep losing. But until we see it, it's it could be one where you go early and you get ahead of the comp and, and they're all chasing. But, yeah, Harmy, you've got your hand up. What do you want to What do you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to agree with you, Holmesy. I mean, it was a bit hard to interrupt that Jack Stringer monologue uh, from Dospy, but I was going to say he is one that I have been watching uh, and he did have a bump in CBA. So hopefully the Tom McCartan, I think he rolled his ankle or something, hopefully that doesn't impact it. But yeah, if he comes out with a 100 and 100 next couple of weeks, I'm very, very keen. This is a guy that's gone back to back one ten years, priced down at basically 800k so that's low 90s with potential 20 points upside so he's the the type of keeper you want to you want to target at this time of year it's just hard when he hasn't been putting up any ceiling scores yet uh noah anderson was one that the listeners wanted to hear about stato uh, at pod pod afl on twitter as well if you want to get in your weekly request we we do a little tweet out and you can ask for your favorite player to be requested noah anderson um 
obviously we've talked about Tuke Miller being out for quite some time now. Uh, we've been talking about all the other bumps of players, but Noah Anderson still getting massive centre bounce usage, playing in the midfield and hitting some ceiling scores, coming off a 134 against Richmond on the weekend, Stato. Yes, well, just talked about the soft fixture they had for four weeks. So <clears throat> before that soft fixture, he had a 78 and 83 and a 72. In the soft fixture, he had 159, 107, 102, and this weekend, 134. So as Holmes, you said, these numbers are a bit inflated, so you need to be mindful of that. But there's no doubt he's the number one guy now. Uh, bulk CBAs, and we know he can get the ball on the outside. I think he'd be a really good pick. It's just a pity... Um, that his price is so high now. That's the only thing I'll say. I, I wish it was in the eights, not uh, nine twelve. I think it is. Jaden Short coming off 117 and 123. Listeners are keen. I know you are too, Louis. In the 831K price tag that he is, he's actually dropped cash for the year. Um, he's affecting the others around him because he's just getting bulk pill back there. Yeah, I'm, I'm super keen on him. Uh, and what we saw from Jaden Short to start the year last year was the same role that he's in now and he started this season like a house on fire going at almost 120 across those first six weeks until the role change. And if he can repeat that again, then he's absolute bargain at 830K. Even with the mid-status, I mean, you know you're going to get the DPP. I guess, well, you'd have to hope you get the DPP, uh, Lou, but, you you know, is that going to be hard oh, to hold that mid It's a bit spot? of a leap of faith, but um, round 12 is not too far away, but you would have to manage it in your team, obviously. Uh, Christian Petrarca, as a proud owner, Holmesy, would you encourage others to jump on? 117 in his last three, looking like a premium weapon, but also uh, had some drop-off in the centre bounces on the weekend. So are you hoping for that forward status to come finally at some point? Nah, Dos, as Stato mentioned before, just with the matchup, so what tends to happen with these Melbourne games when they are absolutely dominating, so against West Coast and against North Melbourne, uh, you know, Petrarca takes a bit of a backward step. Clary doesn't, but Petrarca spends a lot more time forward. So when the whips are cracking, um, he's in there pretty much full time. And, and that really means that he, he doesn't get close enough to that 35%. We really needed it at round five um, when the data was, you know, so short. So he's, I don't think he's an option at the moment because of how expensive is it, he is. We've spent this whole podcast talking about the rookies not coming through and, and the cash not being there. So if you're spending up big money to get to a Petrarca at 940K, I think you're going to um, limit what is on the rest of your field. So he's been a fantastic pick. Um, he's put up some ceiling scores now, but I'm not sure he's someone you want to be targeting at the moment in saying that I'm an owner. So maybe I'm biased, but yeah. Harmy, uh, Nick Newman, 164, coming off a massive game and 119 the week before. Yes, they were soft matchups, but I think similar to maybe that Gold Coast we've seen, I mean, is it just a, a, a catalyst from them having these easy matchups that they've gone this hot high mark game at, at Carlton? Or could you see Nick Newman being an option at 826K? Pretty expensive now. Yeah, you couldn't do it, could you? I mean, you've just missed the ceiling score from him. I know, I know he's... Um, does have a ceiling, don't get me wrong, but I think there's quite a lot of competition down um, in the Blues' back line. And, yeah, he might have had a good role this week, but he also may have a lockdown back pocket role next week. So a bit unpredictable, I feel. Just one thing on Nick Newman, Dossie. Um, just in that game, so Carlton had, I think, the fourth highest recorded 
fantasy point game on record. That's how much they dominated the Eagles. They subsard out at halftime, and then Doherty sat the last 15 minutes on the pine. So um, although he was flying before that, don't get me wrong, um, I wouldn't expect those high ceiling type scores every week, if not again for the year. Agree. It's been a great leap of faith for coaches that have him currently as a, as a point of difference, though. It's been an awesome pick. Uh, Harry Perryman, 650K, Stato, back in the lineup, back in that midfield. Uh, he's marked down to come into my team round 10. Wow, really? Uh, for a four-week stretch. Uh, so he's down 145K. Uh, round 10 is where he will drop off that two score round one. We all expected him to get a little bit of a, a spike with a, the couple that were leaving, but now down 150k. He should bounce back a little bit, only about 20k of that because of that two score. He's got a couple of tough matchups, um, and then he's got a good run until the buy. So I'm going to take him on the good run as a bit of a, a bargain pick, get the coin, and hopefully roll out with uh, um, a uber premium out of him. Joshua Shelley had a tough matchup on the weekend. Lou only put up 79 for owners. I know lots of people were keen on him, though. Uh, do you have any interest still um, on Rochelle? He does have Geelong this week, though, as well. Not particularly. He's been a good pick for those who have started him and jumped on, but I think with the depth of forwards that we do have available that um, Joshua Shelley's just not in that top mix. Rory Atkins, final verdict. Holmesy, no, you're not keen. Nah, I never like these players that are fringe best 22, and, and that's exactly what he is. So, yeah, you might get another decent score out of him, but if he finds himself out of the side in two weeks' time, like it has been historically, then you're, you're stranded with someone that's, you know, in a bit of no man's land. So, nah, not for me. Port managed to get the big W on the weekend. Harmy, based on putting the fossil back in the midfield, Bokey. Listeners are keen to, to look at him as an option in the 600K range, 654. Could you go there? Yeah, I loved seeing that in that last quarter, him going in, racking up into possessions, but I just don't feel like it's going to happen. I mean, as I think we said last week, um, Stato, that they've got a tight five um, in a rotation there, and, and uh, I think him going in to the midfield was at the expense of Willem Drew and Ollie Wines from memory. So I just can't see it happening on a regular basis. That's the only reason why I don't think we can go there. Jason Johannesson still an option. Stato, is it too late to jump on? No, I don't think it's too late. Um, what's his price? I'll have to get uh, that he's up. He's about there, 550, right? I think, with a break even in the Four. mid-30s. Yeah, so it's not too late. 575. There you go. It's not too late. Similar to Fiorini. He's about 560. Which would you take? Bargain, and I've got them all. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Aaron Hall uh, coming into some monster form. Louis, is there some interest in in another fellow fossil uh, talking about older players? But he's racking up down there as we know he can. Massive interest in Aaron Hall. St. Uh, Kilda this week. Oof. Yeah, so there's going to be some sugar there potentially, you would think. Um, we know Aaron Hall when he takes the field. Generally, he's a fantastic scorer. We also know that he's getting old, his body is prone to injury, and uh, perhaps he's not always best 22 in that side just based on Clarko's comments in the presser on the weekend. Uh, but I think if you're in a... 
bit of a trickier position, you want to take a fly, you need to take a risk and try and get up the ranks, then Aaron Hall might be your ticket there. Uh, listeners want to know about the Brayshaws. Um, so let's speak to you, Holmesy, about maybe Angus as a cheaper defensive option now that he's fallen from grace and starting to put together some decent performances first. Angus. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's an option just yet. Purely, I think, the numbers from the weekend. And I don't actually have his score off the top of my head, but um, like... So he got 95 against North on the weekend, backing up an 80 against Richmond, and now he's got the same beautiful schedule that Melbourne have, Gold Coast Hawks. His price come, is on the way back up. His price is going up now, I think, from memory. Yeah, he's down 194K, 88 break-even this week at 684K. We see him as a top six defender because at that price, you really need him to be a top six defender. Um, I think there's probably better options. Like we mentioned in that North Melbourne game, roles were all over the place. So maybe he was getting a little bit more of a, a role that he normally would um, if the game was tight. So I'd be leaning on the side of no because I don't think he's a top six defender, but we have seen him do it before. So if you are keen and you're bullish, then yeah, potentially it's a play to pick him up underpriced. The other Brayshaw, Harmy, down 111K, but looked like a bit like the Brayshaw of old. I did I, I did miss this game, to be fair, but scoring 113 on paper, looking like the Brayshaw of old. Uh, maybe not until the rumours of this knee injury uh, subsided a bit and he's running a bit freer. After the buy, it makes sense for him. Uh, is it round 12 by Stato? Uh, yes. Yep, yep. We had a listener request saying, Warpool, still an option at 688k. Could you jump Ooh, no. on Warpool on a tear? You could. Uh, I'm holding him until he forces me to kick him out because he's still making cash and still putting the score um, 103 on the weekend. And ever since Day left, he got the opportunity to go back inside, has earned. He looked great on the weekend. Kicked a blinder of a goal too, just quietly. But... Um, so, but I wouldn't be bringing him in at that price. So, what's he made? About two fifty, two twenty-five. Uh, you, you're too late. There's there's plenty of options. Have a look at some of those cheaper Gold Coast options. I'd rather be going there than than Warple because his um, his time will end some, somewhere this season. We just don't know when. Our last two listener requests. I didn't put this in myself, I promise, Louis. Matt Rowell, mm. the only Gold Coast player we bloody haven't talked about this episode. He had 26 disposals, four marks, nine tackles on the weekend, mate. He's having he's stringing together some monster performances for his coach. And I'm well, talking about his coach Dawson, not Dewey. What did uh, Rowley score on the weekend? 110. Season 10. Yeah, look, I'm, I've told you before, Dossie, I'm not against Matty Rowell. I just think that he's a contested beast that's more that 100 guy when he's on and when he's playing his best football rather than the 110-plus guy that what we may have thought uh, a couple of years ago. And Holmesy, finally, our last one here, Jai Simpkin. Um, obviously, LDU was out of the side on the weekend, but Simpkin priced very cheaply at 759k, down just about 90k for the year. Still got a relatively, you know, 105 for his break even, but he's got the Saints this week. Is Jai Simpkin an option? Uh, put simply, Doss, yes, he is. Uh, not because I think he's going to be a top eight mid, uh, but because his price is getting very attractive. We know that his role inside that, uh, North Melbourne side is secure. Um, clearly no LDU on the weekend, so maybe his CBAs and that were maybe a little bit inflated. 
Um, but like we spoke about, these are the type of players we might need to look at this year due to a lack of cash gen. And what we do know about Simkin is he loves flying home. I think he went at 105 post by the last two years. So he does love to come home. So doesn't have to be this week, but they do have St. Kilda. So it wouldn't surprise me if he can crack the ton and, and have his biggest score for the year. Right. We love getting Stato's opinion of his favourite targets for the week. And that's what we love to call the Fossils 5. All right, let's get into the Fossils 5, Stato. And I do want to, if you guys can reach out and figure out what the theme song for the Stato's Fossils 5 comes from, that'll be a little bit of a, um, a, a, a trivia question for the week on our Twitter. I might put it out there. Stato, do you happen to know what it is? Uh, I'll have to have another listen again. I haven't paid that much attention to your work, Doss. <laughs> I actually only only listen back to, to find out what Harmy's actually said. Because it's the little drops of wisdom that I'm after. You, you know Launceston basically is the centre of the fantasy world. Oh, I know. I know that. Don't you worry about that. Let's get your five, though, Stato. Okay, number one, um, as we're talking about our, our rookies, uh, there's not a lot of great options. options. So if you haven't got him... You've got a number one priority is get Chincotta, just the, uh, the the money he's going to make. So it should be a 60-odd thousand this week, so jump on. Um, then I want to talk about three value options because I think most teams are still looking um, around that area. So number one, I've got Will Day uh, at 768. Uh, I'll put him at number two because... Um, depending on whether you need a defender or a midfielder, you can fit in either one. Uh, round 14, so just be mindful. Um, not a lot of people have round 14 midfielders, but have quite a few uh, in that defensive zone. So thinking of managing uh, your setup for the buyers as well. Uh, number three, Tom Stewart, so still 776, so still really good value. Obviously, he uh, bottomed out at 730, uh, and he won't get any cheaper um, unless there is a, another serious early injury, um, and he's playing fantastic footy as well, um, and a perfect buy, so uh, a great one for you. Uh, go to Rini. I've got down at four. Um, disrespectful. <laughs> Stato. Down um, at four. And, and That's disrespectful. So the, the reason why um, two and three, as in Dane Stewart ahead of him, Doss, is Dane Stewart will stay in your team for the rest of the season. What and do we need to get? What, what will Fairini have to score to get an apology out of you next week, Stato, to putting him at four? Well, it might... The whole point is about him lasting the season, him actually getting more than three CBAs, him more getting uh, more. Not getting more than 112. Sorry, State. I'll have to get more than 112 next week. And more than getting dropped for Sean Lemons. Um, (laughs) So all those things that you need to put into place um, for him to be a keeper. Has he got the scoring power? Yes, he has, Doss. But has he got the guarantee to play? 23 rounds of footy. Uh, has he played all the games? All right. So I guess we'll just has round he? this out with your fifth. Your fifth is Jake Stringer by the looks on the on the run sheet here. <laughs> is that right? It's another rookie, although I'm just not as 
comfortable um, with the with the job security or the scoring as Ryan Angwin. Uh, look, he's looked fine. So as a footballer, he's fine. But as his junior career, uh, he did miss because of COVID. He did miss one of the years. So it was only his bottom age year we get to see the the figures from. But he did average forty three. So. I'm just mindful that he won't have the ceiling that we really want, so he'll be a slow burner. So that means you maybe still be able to get him in a couple of weeks' time if he keeps his spot uh, and help you through the bias. All right, well, that'll wrap up the show. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Harmy, Holmesy, Louis, and Stato. I'm your boy, Dossie, and always remember, be brave, be bold, be buzz. See you next week. Dossie, I was going to uh, bring up the fact that you brought up an 11-week block of stats from two and a half years ago to prove your point. (laughs) (laughs) Tack that on the end. (laughs) Oh, dear. Stringer.